0: welcome to the home church podcast my name is kenny and i serve as the lead pastor here at home church and we gather in maiden north carolina we're so glad you tuned in to today's episode and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow jesus step by step well hey good morning and like i said welcome to home church my name is kenny and uh, it is a real honor to be the lead pastor here. And so, uh, you know, I shared with you just a little bit ago, and I shared over the last few weeks, a little bit of our story of kind of what God's been bringing us through uh, as a church. And I don't know if, if this has ever been a situation that you've walked into, um, that you have, uh, man, you've been chasing after something, you've been believing for something, you've been walking towards something, and yet, for whatever reason, you just, you just can't quite get there. Uh, you 've been believing God for something to happen, and you, you don 't know why, but you just it 's just not happening and then all of a sudden, something happens, and then you 're like, "Oh man, and you look back and then, from the other side you 're able to realize, "Oh, this was what was holding me back right. Um, for some people, uh, listen, I have tried desperately to kill off my addiction to Mountain Dew, and so I have, listen, it's just a reality, and so I've gone through all the withdrawals, I've done the, you know, just completely cutting it out, and for a week I suffer through it, and then at the end of it, I, you know, drink it again, and I'm like, man, it was, I don't know, it was just I love the taste of it. That's, what, that's why I can't break through this thing. And I have some awareness, right? I think many of us have had some of these moments in our life. And for us as a church, um, we had that moment uh, in December and January. I shared that with you a few minutes ago around how really God did a, a wild work in the leaders of our church. And frankly, a lot of it started um, with God having to do a work in me and started to shift some things in me. Uh, I, I struggled because one of the things is uh, I felt like God had gifted me to call, call, and called me to lead home church. The problem was is that I took it upon myself to do it all. And for many, well, for two years, I was trying to drag this thing with everything that I had, and I got to a place where I, just, I was angry with God because things just weren't quite working the way I thought. Um, and I was upset with him, and I had an angry conversation with him, and he let me know that it wasn't his fault. He was waiting on me. He was waiting on me to actually release something and to trust him. And so for me, I, now here we are six months later, and I shared what I shared with you just a moment ago about how God's been blessing our church financially. Uh, this house has never been fuller uh, than we've been seeing over the past few weeks, and we're gonna continue to see more folks come back as we get into the fall. And so God's been faithful to this house. And so now looking back on the other side of it, I can look back and I know what it was now that was holding us back. In fact, I, I, I had this moment around Easter. Uh, we had Palm Sunday, and after Palm Sunday, uh, my friend Dale Harris, who's uh, one of our staff, he and I and a few other guys in our church, we went over to Lincolnton Country Club, and uh, well, it's not a country club, but <laughs> the golf course over in Lincolnton, and we played around to golf, and I was riding with Dale, and I shared something with him that I had not shared with anyone else. Um, Palm Sunday was the, is the Sunday right before Easter, and Dale and I were riding, and I said, hey, Dale, um, I just want to let you know that next Sunday at Easter, we're going to see 350 people here, 350 people. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he's like, huh, okay, because on Palm Sunday, we saw like 163 people here. And so, of course, Dale's looking at me like, all right, cool, yeah, man, that sounds awesome, I, whatever. And then we just kept playing. And I said, no, 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 Dale, you don't understand. We're gonna see 350 people here next Sunday at Easter. You wanna know how I know? And he's like, sure, tell me. I said, because I don't care. And I meant it for the first time. For the first time, I truly had put my trust in the Lord that he would build his house, not me. And not a really good marketing team, which we do. We have a great one. Nobody makes anybody look any better in town than our team does. We look really good. But I truly believed that if this house would be built, it was going to have to be on God's back, not mine. And I told him that, and we went along our way. And uh, the next Sunday um, was Easter, and the first service was nice and full, and we saw salvation, and it was awesome. The second service, nice and full, and we saw salvation. And uh, most Sundays, our staff team kind of gathers together out in the atrium uh, right before we leave, just a quick little huddle. And uh, our staff teams gathered, and uh, Katie, who's my wife, was um, tallying all the numbers, and she's starting to walk over, and we stopped the huddle, and, and I just said, hey, what was the number? And she said, 348. And I just, uh, I just stood there and cried for a moment. And I apologized to our staff team, and I told them that I was really sorry, because The reason that God had not brought that many people before that day was because of my disobedience. I was standing in the way of this church. My pride, um, my trust in my gift, my trust in my own work ethic is what I believed in, and I was standing in the way. And when I finally got to a place of truly trusting the Lord for this house, he started to do a work, and we saw a beautiful thing at Easter. And I believe another incredible time is coming in this house. And so that's what this whole series is about that we've been walking in. We started it last week. If you missed it, I really want to encourage you. It's really important that maybe you just take a few minutes and you go back and watch it. Uh, You can find all of our stuff on YouTube. Uh, We have a home church podcast that you can go and listen to it. I want to really encourage you to go back if you missed last week, because we set up the whole series called Rubble to Revival. And this is us walking through the book of Nehemiah, and uh, spoiler alert, the book of Nehemiah is about a leader who God calls, he puts a burden on his heart to see the wall of Jerusalem that had been burned down and in ruins, to see that be rebuilt, and to see the people of Jerusalem come back to strength and ultimately leading to revival. And that's where we're going, and that's where this story is going. Uh, but last week, we, we met Nehemiah, uh, who had been exiled. And I shared with you really quickly last week that the people of God, the Israelite people, uh, many times had been disobedient to God and then had found themselves either in slavery or in exile. This was a part of God's way of trying to correct them because of their disobedience. And Nehemiah is working and his brother comes to visit him and he, and he asks, hey, how's my hometown going? And it's not going so great. And last week we talked about the burden that Nehemiah felt in that moment and the calling on his life to do something about it. And so we're going to continue uh, in this series today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Nehemiah chapter one. And uh, we're going to kind of run through the rest of Nehemiah chapter one today. And uh, if you don't have your Bible, we have the home church app, sermon notes are in there. The Uversion app. There's a live event happening right now. Uh, if you don't have any of that, uh, the scripture will be on the screen, and if you're watching online, we'll throw the scripture at my feet. So here we go. We're going to dive in. Uh, Nehemiah chapter one. This is what the word of the Lord says. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived in the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Real quick, if you missed last week, real, real quick summary. Uh, we learned that the nation of Israel had been exiled, and most of them were in Babylon. Uh, Nehemiah is working in for a king named Artaxerxes, and his brother comes and visits him, and he asks him, hey, how's my hometown going? And he says, it's not really good, Right? Um, and so we talked about the burden uh, that Nehemiah then got because of this, and, uh, the, and the reason was because the wall of Jerusalem was symbolic. It was symbolic of God's protection, and it was symbolic of God's um, reputation to the people and to God's people. And so this led Nehemiah to feeling a burden that God put on his heart and a calling to do something about it. Um, and so we're going to continue on today today. And, uh, and so, because here's what happens. Nehemiah had a realization of what was happening, and it led him to a revelation. The revelation of why and how we had gotten to this place. So here's what it says in verse five. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven and the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. So Nehemiah has this uh, realization when he hears about how things are, and it leads him to a revelation. And the revelation that it led him to was that, yo, we're to blame. He, he goes to God in prayer, and he starts to uh, confess these things. It's an interesting thing, right, where he starts, we start to read it, and he's like, Lord, I'm coming to you on behalf of your servants. <laughs> he's, he's praying for other people. And so Nehemiah actually goes through, and he ultimately he prays for three different types of groups of people. So I want you to see that his realization of where things were led him to a revelation of why and how we got to this place, and that revelation led him to repentance. I want you to see this, that uh, revelation leads us to repentance, when we have a revelation of what we've done wrong and where we've missed the mark and and how we have offended and, and gone against God, it leads us, it should lead us, those of us that are believers and have the Holy Spirit working within us, it should lead us first and foremost to a place of repentance. That's what the work of the Spirit does in us. Not a work of condemnation, but a work of conviction. And this is what the Spirit does. These are the three groups that Nehemiah prayed for, and he prayed. I don't know if you saw it, but he said, Lord, I confess the sins of. Did you see that? And so he confessed the sins, first and foremost, of the nation of Israel. Now, that's an interesting thing. Uh, Have you ever thought about standing and asking God for and repenting to God on behalf of the sins of our nation? I mean, there are plenty, right? There are plenty of things our nation's done wrong. And here Nehemiah is, he's standing and he's he's going to God and he's confessing and he's repenting the sins of the nation. We've been disobedient to you. He had that realization that led him to the revelation that ultimately caused him to repent, that the reason that they're exiled and away from God anyways is because of the nation's disobedience. And then he goes on a little further and then he confessed his own sin. He confessed the sins and his personal sins to God. He said, God, I I have missed the mark. I have done wrong in your eyes. And and so the thing is, is that there are many of us that have things that we have sinned against God about. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And then the third thing is sins of the family. I'm going to come back and talk about this one in just a moment. But ultimately, it leads me to ask the question, like, why must he and why must we repent? Well, first of all, I think you need to understand what repentance actually is. Uh, in, in the church world, like, we've made repentance this really weird and like churchy word, but here's all it really means it really means to turn. So if I am walking in this direction and I realize that this direction is not the direction God would have me walk in, he calls me to repent, which simply means, to turn. To turn from my ways, what I liked, what I wanted to do, to turn towards God and his ways and what he's calling me to do. And the reason that we have to repent is because as we are walking this way, we sin against God. Again, sin is another church word that we make kind of weird. Here's what sin is. Sin is actually an archery term. Anyone in the room actually uh, an archer? Someone, yeah, we've actually got a young lady here who is an incredible, gifted, talented archer. She goes and travels and she beats all the boys. It's awesome. Uh, my friend Tyler, who serves as one of our elders, he's an archer as well. He, he, do, he goes bow hunting. My, my dude doesn't even own a gun. Like He just goes out there and like with a bow, like pop him. I'm like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Archery, uh, sin is an archery term, and it simply means to miss the mark. And so here's what it leads us to, and I actually wanted to pull out my my real Bible for this one. How do we know that we've missed the mark? How do we know that we've sinned against God? Well, first of all, knowing God's word teaches us what God is for and what he's against. That's one way. But Jeremiah, who is a prophet, during the same time that we're talking about, the exile of of Israel, he kind of shares how we are to know that we've missed the mark. It says this, if you have your Bible, uh, this is in Jeremiah chapter 31, and it says this starting in, uh, um, it says this starting in verse um, 33. It says this. uh, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. This is the Lord speaking. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. For the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will will remember their sins no more. So how do we know how we've sinned against God? Again, first of all, the word of God teaches that But also Jeremiah says that the Lord told us that he has written his law on our heart. So for those of us that are believers in Christ Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. The Holy Spirit brings conviction over our heart when we have sinned against God. The Holy Spirit allows us to know that we have missed the mark and that realization should take us to a revelation of how and where we've missed the mark And it should lead us to a place of repenting of that sin. Walking this way, we realize we're walking the wrong way. We turn, confess our sins, repent, and walk God's way. This is what it's meant to look like. And so the problem for many of us, we talked about this last week, that when God puts a burden over our heart and calls us to do something, the reality is is that many people are held back from their calling because they are shackled by sin that holds them back. Okay? And so I want to do this today. I'm, I'm going to wrap up here quickly. And I know you're what? Yeah, we just started. But, so I want, to, I want to walk through this with you because there are um, these three things that Nehemiah teaches that we are to confess. Right? Uh, number one, let's, let's, go back to, let's go back through them really quickly. Number one is to confess the sins of a nation. And I know for some of y'all, that's a weird idea and a weird concept because you're like, yo, I didn't do anything wrong. Like people before me, they messed it up for sure. But here's the thing. This is what the scripture calls us to, to actually confess the sins of our nation. And then Nehemiah set the example that we are to confess our personal sin. Things that we know that where we've missed the mark. And the first one's kind of odd in some ways, but it makes sense. The second one, we get it. We know we've missed the mark. Those of us that are believers know that we are called to repent and confess that sin and walk away from it. But there's this third one that Nehemiah talks about that if I'm being super real with you, the first time I read this and I saw this, I was like, nah, homie, I ain't in for this. Can't do it. To confess the sins of our family. Did that strike anyone else as odd when you heard that? Because for me, the first time I read that, I'm like, "I'm out. I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? Some of you know uh, parts of my story, um, but I've got a bit of a, a, um, a difficult background, um, not unlike really most of us. When I was 15 years old, um, my father left our family and started another. And I, my brother and I tried to keep relationship with him, but it was difficult and toxic. And ultimately, it led to a place where when I was 21 years old, uh, my brother and I were sitting in a Mexican restaurant, and my dad and his new wife walks in, and our relationship had become strained at this point. And my dad and his wife walks in, and she looks over and she says, oh, look, it's your son's. And my dad said, sons, what's that? I mean, it was already a difficult relationship, but to hear that from your dad. It's been over 20 years since I talked to him since. The reality is, is that many of you Man, you've got hurt from your family as well. Abuses, harms, hurts that people who said they loved you have committed against you. Mistakes that people you trusted to look after you and take care of you, mistakes that they made, some unintentionally, some they knew what they were doing. Hardships that have been created by friends and family that we're meant to love and trust and and be family with, and yet they are the ones who have hurt us the most. So when I read this and I hear that I'm meant to confess the sins of my family, I'm messed up by that. How am I supposed to confess the sins of, first of all, someone who now I don't even have a relationship with And for many people, how do I confess something when I haven't even forgiven them? And man, like, I I just want to tell you, my roadmap is different than yours. My hurts and my pains and my struggle are different than yours. No better, no worse, just different. All I can do is relate to you and connect to you in the way that I know you've been hurt as I have and for some people it looks different but for me I got to a place of realization of where my relationship was with my father and it led me to a revelation of how we got there and ultimately that led me to a place of the places where I was wrong in the relationship and oh by the way there were some places I was wrong I had to confess those things And then there was a moment where I realized that if I was truly going to be able to forgive and step into the fullness of the calling God had for me, man, this was a chain that had to be broken in my life. This was something that had to be dealt with. And so God led me back to this moment. And he led me to a place of confessing the sins of my father even though I had nothing to do with it. And so here's what I, I just want I I to leave you with today. For many of us, there are things that are holding us back from our calling. There are chains that are holding us back. That was true of me. And looking back now, I know because I've broken through those things. I can look back and I can tell you what's helped me break through those chains. And this right here was one of it. Easy? <laughs> Not a chance. Worth it? Freedom is worth anything. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to model for you. I want to model for you this confession where we we confess the sins of our nation, where we tell God, man, we've messed it up. And so, Father, forgive us. Forgive those who have led us. Forgive us for for the things that we've done as a nation, the wrongs that we've committed, the places that we have hurt and destroyed, Father. And there has been many. God, we ask for your forgiveness for our nation. We ask that you would give us light and hope to walk in the right ways moving forward. Father, forgive us. Father, I ask for your forgiveness for me. God, for two and a half years of leading this church, I willed it, and I did not trust you. for too long, we led scared because we were relying on our own strength. I was relying on my own strength. And so because of that, I led out of a place of strength rather than weakness. And God, your word teaches that where we are weak, you are strong. Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me for not being dependent on you and depending on myself. I was wrong. Father, something that you've brought to my attention over the last week is in my pursuit to communicate truth to your people. Father, I've done so passionately, and yet it has brought harm and hurt to people. Father, will you forgive me for being harsh in the way that I communicate your truths to people? God, help me speak directly, help me speak honestly and frankly and with authenticity. But God, forgiving me for saying things and doing things in a harsh and rude way when it's not needed. When your word and your truth are all that I need to proclaim, Father, will you forgive me? And so, Father, I also pray that you would forgive the sins of my family. God, I pray that you would forgive my dad for cheating. God, I pray that you would forgive him for leaving. Father, I pray that you would forgive the faults that my mother had in the situation. Father, I pray that you would forgive my father's wife. God, I pray that you would forgive me and my brother for the way that we handled the situation. Forgive us where we've been wrong. And so I'll ask you, what about you? I think the reality is is that many of us in some way, shape, or form, you walked in here with chains today. And then we just put some in your hand to give you a visual representation of those chains. I think many of us have walked in here today with something holding us back from what God has for us. The best that God has for us is inhibited and hindered by us being shackled and chained to things that are holding us back. Um, have you guys ever played Rochambeau before? Does anyone know what Rochambeau is? No one. All right. How about this? Has anyone played rock paper scissors before? Yeah. You got. You guys have played that before. Okay. All right. So um, let's see. I need. I need some help here. Um, hey. Uh, let me get a couple of people. Hey, Pam. Dale. And uh, Chloe, will y'all come here for a quick second? I know, I know, I'm sorry. Come on up, come on up. I just saw you. You were smiling at me too much. All right, come on over. Stand right here. Come into the lights. All right. So you guys have all played rock, paper, scissors before, right? Yeah, okay. So here's the rules if you've never played, okay? So uh, I've been teaching this to my kids, all right? So uh, there are three apparatus here. So we have rock, okay, and then paper, paper, (laughs) and then scissors, right? So rock, hold out your scissors, rock beats scissors, bang. Scissors cut paper, yeah, and then paper covers rock. You guys got that? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play real quick, and I want you to play with your neighbor. Play rock, paper, scissors real quick. And hey, 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 do it right. Will you, will you do it right? It's rock, paper, scissors, then shoot. All right, can we do it right? All right, here we go, ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, oh, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, oh, paper covers rock. Okay, who won between you guys? Well, do it till you, somebody wins. All right, Dale, come on over. All right. Here we go, Dale, here we go. ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Winner. All right, y'all can go. y'all can go. All right, So here's the thing. Here's, here's what I want you to see. So in this, in this life, there are uh, this game of life in a way, there are these truths just like rock, paper scissors. Some things in our life beat and destroy, take advantage of, and are better than other things in our life. It just is a reality. It's just the, the structure in which our lives operate. And so last week I told you that when God puts a conviction over your heart that you have a calling. And a calling is is Awesome. But the problem is is that many of us, right, many of us cannot win in our life and go and live out our calling because we are shackled by a chain. Your chain is beating your calling. So in this game of life, your, your chains that are holding you back have kept you from your calling. It beats it every time. But this is what the book of Nehemiah teaches us. This is what the word of the Lord teaches us. This is the word from the Lord for you today. Is that the thing that will release your calling and the thing that will crush your chains is confession. In this whole game of which is better, I need you to understand that confession crushes the chains that are holding you back from your calling. You got your chains in your hand? Hold it up. You can make some noise with it now. Man, that's got a a nice little sound to it, doesn't it? Except the problem is, is that this sound represents you being held back from the things that God has for you in your life. Feel it. It's got a little weight to it. I wonder for you today, when you walked in and now you hold these, I wonder what these chains represent in your life. What are the things that are holding you back from stepping into your calling? Playing your part. Living out the things that God has for you. What are the chains? What are the chains that are holding you back? And then they get caught up in there. What are the chains that are holding you back? I have this uh, interesting thing where... Um, This week, as I was preparing, I, you know, um, those chains, I don't know if you know this, but Lowe's won't cut them like that for you. (laughs) Hello, Lowe's. We need your help. So this week, I sat in my office, and I started to cut those, and I realized, man, like my angle and how I was doing it kind of started to become a workout, and I was expecting a lot of you, which is great. You're here today. And then... When I got over the practical of actually trying to do it, I had this, well, this revelation that this was a long chain that I was then cutting to break down for each and individual one of you to have and to hold as a representation of the things that are holding you back. And then I had this beautiful moment with God that every time I would take those scissors, and I would cut, and I would break, and I would break something apart. I had this moment of revelation that God wants to do that exact same work in and through you today. He wants to break you free of the things that are holding you back. And I just sat there, and I just wept over God's goodness. Before you even walked in the door, that he was going to heal you, that he was going to free you today, that he was going to do a freeing work in your life today. This represents all of the brokenness that was holding you back. What you're holding in your hand can't hold you back anymore if you choose to let it go. It's already been broken in Jesus' name. Jesus offers you forgiveness. But there's something important here that I I, I want you to see. There's this thing that that most people miss because confession is incredible. And and the the word tells us to confess, and this isn't gonna be on your screens, but 1 John 1 verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he, Christ Jesus, is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. That's awesome. When we confess our sins to God, Jesus, who covers us with his blood, is just to forgive us. But then I realized something else. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter 5. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So let me get this right. So, if I confess my sins to God, He will forgive me. It didn't say anything about healing me. Huh. But when I confess my sins to another brother or to another sister or to someone else, then I'm healed. Man, this was huge. This is wild. So many of us have at times confessed our sins to God and you've been forgiven of it. But many times we don't confess our sins to someone else, which is why we haven't been healed of it. So today, both are on offer for you forgiveness from the Lord. And I believe if the word of God is true, and I believe it is, that if you confess your sins to someone else, Healing is on offer for you today as well. And I don't know about you, man, but I'm tired of these chains holding me back. And so today, I believe it's time for many of us to both confess sins to the Lord and to someone else. God's already done a mighty work This is the sound of your sins being forgiven. This is a visual representation of what's holding you back. How sad to walk in here and then walk back out holding the same change you walked in with when on offer for you is the opportunity to repent, confess, and leave them behind? Would you stand to your feet? Over the next few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, In this corner and in this corner, some of our staff and our leaders and our elders are going to be there, that if you want prayer and you want to confess to find healing, it's on offer for you. This altar is going to be open for anyone who would be willing to come and to kneel and to confess whatever business you need to do with God today. Whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is that is keeping you shackled and chained and away from your purposes that God has for you, confession and the forgiveness of your sins is on offer for you today. And so we're gonna sing a song and it's gonna speak directly to this, but Jesus wants to do a work in you today if you will allow him if you will submit your heart to him, if you will confess your sins to him, if you will release it and let it go and leave it and walk out of those doors in freedom. He wants to do that for you today. Father, I pray over your sons and daughters right now. I pray that the spirit of freedom would run wild in this house. God, that your spirit would stir up the hearts of your sons and daughters, that they would feel and understand the reality of where they are. God, that that would lead them to a revelation of how they've gotten there, and that revelation would lead them to repent, of their sin, God, the things that we've done as a nation, the things that we've done individually, and the things that our family has done that have been wrong against you, Father, I pray that you would be good, as you always are, to forgive. And I pray that you will be faithful right now to save anyone who would be willing to trust you with their life. And God, I pray for healing for anyone bold enough to speak and confess their sin to someone else. And so, Father, over the next few moments, I pray that you would do a wild work in your people. God, may the sounds of chains hitting this altar be a pleasing sound to your ear. And, God, may it be a sound that we hear and we remember and it encourages us that you are faithful to forgive. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. So, God, attune your ear to the cry of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.